Today we're finishing up Romans chapter 8 where we're going to pick up a part of last week's reading and finish up. Actually, that first chunk is where we'll spend the majority of our time thinking about it today. I want to begin by offering you the invitation from Psalm 95 before we hear God's word. The psalmist says this, he says, Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture, the flock, under His care. Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts. That might sound like an abrupt ending to the invitation, but let it stand. God's word for us today is from Romans chapter 8, beginning at verse 28. Paul says this, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? (laughs) It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? (laughs) As it is written, for your sake, Jesus, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Is that what it is? No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is God's Word. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus Christ, you are the shepherd of your sheep. We are the sheep of your pasture, safe under and in your loving care. We pray, shepherd our hearts by your Word that we might know and have the certainty and the security and the assurance that we are yours. You have chosen us from before all time. We belong to you. Grant us that security and that certainty by your spirit today. Lord God, sanctify us by the truth. Your word is truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, How do you know? How can you be sure that these words that Paul speaks in Romans chapter 8, how can you be sure that these words are yours? That's really the the, the biggest and the deepest and the most fundamental question that we need to ask this morning. That's your first fill-in. How do you know? 
How do we know that we are more than conquerors? How do we know that God has chosen us? See, there's those words in the opening section like foreknown and predestined that lead us to ask the question, did God know me? Did God pick me? I suppose we can pretty quickly get past the foreknown because he's God. (laughs) Of course he knows all things. Of course he knows what's going to happen before it happens. Of of course God knows everything. Of course God foreknows. He he knows ahead of time that we can probably very quickly get past the foreknow. But the predestined? How do I know that God picked me? How do I know? How can you know? How can we know? How can each of us know that God chose us? See, that's what that word predestined means. It means he destined us pre, ahead of time, before. Sometimes the Bible talks about it this way, that before we were born, God chose. So the question sits there in our hearts a little bit this morning. How do I know? How do I know that God destined me pre, ahead of time, before? How do I know that God, the other word that we sometimes use is election, that God elected and chose us. How do I know? How can I be sure that God picked me? Some people try to answer the question by, by answering it in two ways. They want to give God, they, and, they, and rightly so, they want to give God the sovereignty, the rule, the power, the authority. So they talk about something that they, we call double predestination. In other words, in order to maintain the sovereignty and the power and the decision-making authority of God, they say, well, if God predestined some to be saved, God also predestined some to be damned. So God's choosing heaven and hell for people. Totally apart from anything about us, he's, he's choosing heaven and hell. That's what some people do. That's how some people try to answer the question, how do I know? First of all, let me say that's not what the Bible teaches at all. The Bible does teach that God chose some to be saved. But about those who are damned, he says, I want all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. I know that mentally that those two things don't feel like they belong together, but that's what the scriptures say. It is God's deepest desire that, that you, that all people would know him and believe in him. If, if someone's damned, it's their own fault because they rejected what God gave to them. If they're saved, it's by grace and grace alone. The other problem with kind of working through this and trying to answer the question, how, how can I know, what happens when we try to answer that question by looking at that, those kinds of things? See, a lot of times, here's the second fill and a lot of times when we try to do this, we look inside we look inwardly to find evidence of election, to find evidence. My, one of my professors called it navel-gazing because we're looking inside. How do I know if God chose me? Well, I look inside and I'm trying to find out, do I believe in him? Do I follow him? Do I love him? How do I feel about God in this moment? See, we're looking inside because if God picked me, then I must feel some sort of way about God. And if I feel that way about God, then I must be chosen. See, we're looking inside. Another way that people try to answer the question, I'm going to throw a Latin word out there, intuitu fide. Here's what it means, that God chose people in view of their faith. So, so they, what these people, and so, this is Lutherans too, Lutherans have fallen into this error. I'm going to say it's an error right up front. 
They, we say, they, they said, not we, they. They've said, and they're trying to figure out, how does this work? How do I know? Well, they say God knew beforehand who would believe. So God looks into the future and God sees the people who would believe in him. And because he knew, in view of the fact that they would believe, God said, I'm going to pick them because they would believe. Again, let me be clear, this idea that we're saved in view of faith, in the view of the fact that we would believe God picked us because of that, that's an error too. Because what's it basing our salvation on then? On me, right? It's based on my believing. It's based, the cause then of my salvation of God picking me is me. When the scriptures make it abundantly clear, God, and this is Romans 11, God has a remnant chosen, elected, predestined by grace. Do you see the other problem, though? <laughs> it's the same one as before. We're, we're trying to figure out, we're, we, again, we're looking inside and we're saying, well, did I believe? Do I believe? Do I love him? Do I follow him? How do I feel about God? Again, we're looking inside for evidence of election. Because if I believe, then it must be true that God picked me. Again, where are we looking for certainty? We're looking inside. I wonder if, if that's a thing that we do more often than we'd like. More often than we'd like to admit. We do this thing called, I, again, my professor called it this and it stuck in my head, navel-gazing. How do we know if we've got the Spirit? How do we know if we've got the fruits of the Spirit? Well, we look inside and see, well, is love there? Is joy there? Is peace there? Is, is hope there? Is patience there? We look inside for evidence of the Spirit's existence. Or the other question we all, sometimes people will ask, how do I know if I've sinned against the Holy Spirit? And I've actually given this answer before and I regret it now because I don't know if it's the best answer. Maybe you've heard it. Maybe you've said it. Well, if you're wondering about it, then you must not have done it. See, again, where are we looking for evidence of I haven't done this thing? Inside. And the problem, here's the problem with that. If you keep on looking inside long enough, you will find doubt in place of faith. You will find despair in place of hope. You will find sorrow and discouragement in place of joy. You will find anger and frustration in place of love. You will, you will find covetousness and lust and all kinds of other things in your heart in place of the contentment and the life, the, the desires that God wants you to have. If you look inside long enough, you will find only a heart that accuses you and brings charges against you in God's court of law. And that's just the inner life. And out of the inner life, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Pay attention to your words some more, sometime. They show you more about what's going on inside of you than you want to admit. Pay attention to your life some, somehow because what you're seeing by the things that you do is the condition of your heart. See, if we look inwardly long enough and hard enough, we will only find doubt, here's the fill-in, only find doubt and death 
we have to look extranos. This is the day of weird words. We have to look outside of ourselves. We can't look in. We have to look out. And that's been Paul's entire shtick, if you want to call it a shtick. That's been Paul's entire message in all of Romans and especially here in Romans chapter 8. Let me just break it down to you. I know this is the grammar nerd, but let's just break it down by the grammar. Notice the subject. You'll have to flip your sermon notes over. First, notice the subject. In 28 to 30, who is the subject of every sentence? Look at it. God. We know that in all things, God, those he, God, foreknew, he, God, predestined. Those God predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. Who is the subject of every sentence? It's God. And, and that might seem like a distant and far away nerdy way to talk about this, but I want you to think about this. If I am the subject of the sentence and it's up to me to make this happen, it's not going to happen. But if it's up to God, the maker of heaven and earth, the one who took on human flesh, the one who came to his disciples and so they spoke in many tongues. If it's up to God, see, the questions be get answered. Notice the second thing. Notice the verb. Every verb is active. Okay, again, this is kind of a nerdy thing to think about, but I want you to think about the difference between an active verb and a passive verb. A passive verb means something's happening to you. An active verb means that you're doing something to something else, to somebody else. You're doing an action. See, God is not some passive actor when it comes to our salvation. God is not some passive actor when it comes to election. He is not some active actor. He is not some passive actor when it comes to anything about our salvation. It's God who's doing the work. It's God who foreknows. It's God who destines pre. It's God who calls. It's God who justifies. It's God who glorifies. See, again, if it's up to us to do the work, if we're trying to do something to God, there's intuitive fide, my believing causes God to choose me. If it's up to us, we're going to fail. But if it's up to God, God doesn't fail. I want you to know something else about the verbs. They're all path. All of them. He foreknew happened before. That one makes sense, right? God knew ahead of time, so he knew it, it in, in our past. He knew it in his present, but he knew it in our past, so he knew it before. It makes sense that that's past. Predestined also makes sense that it's past. He predestined, right? Because he's doing it ahead of time. So in other words, in our present, it's before us, so it's past tense. Called, right? That one, you, you, maybe we start to go this thing because God's calling us now. That's present tense, but he speaks about it in the past. Justified, also past tense, that God declares people not guilty in Christ. Past tense. 
Again, maybe we could say, well, that happens when I come to faith, right? When God the Holy Spirit brings me to faith, then in that moment I'm declared not guilty. I'm sent out from God's courtroom forgiven and free. But the one that gets me is glorified. See, all of Romans 8, haven't we been saying we're, we're after Easter, we're raised to life with Christ and we're waiting to be glorified? It's coming. But do you see how Paul talks about it here? Past tense. Those he justified, he also glorified. As if it's already happened. See, that's how sure God's work is. God speaks about it as if it's already done. Because before God, it is. But still, we're left with this question. How do I know it's me? How do I know it's for me? Now, listen, I need everybody to pay attention right now, and I need everyone to, like, whatever you feel about church right now, I need you to just get it out of your minds. I'm going to do something kindergarten style. Okay? Can you, can you play along with me for 30 seconds? All right. Thanks. I need everybody to do it. If you can hear my voice clap once. If you can hear my voice clap twice. Mary, I didn't want you to clap. Why'd you clap? Let's try it again. If you can hear my voice clap once. Naomi, not you. Okay, I'm sorry. You're all embarrassed now. Here's my, like, that's kind of ridiculous. But when I said I want everybody to participate, I planned, I planned this ahead of time, predestined it, if you will. I knew I was going to do it at this point in the sermon, right? And, and, and then I said, everybody participate. And then I said, if you can hear my voice clap once, right? How ridiculous it would be for me to call out to do a thing and then to say, oh, wait, I didn't mean you. Okay. Sorry, let me make my point because I'm getting beyond ridiculous. Those follow Paul, what he's teaching us. He foreknew, God foreknew, he predestined, he called. If you can hear my voice, if you've ever heard the voice of the gospel from anyone, then God has destined you to be his. If you have ever heard the voice of the gospel, and you've heard it today, all of you who are here, unless you're sleeping, everybody's awake now. Right, throughout this entire, even if you sleep through my entire sermon, which would be fine, you've still heard the voice of the gospel. When we said to you at the service, I forgive you your sins, that's the voice of your God calling you to be his. When we sing these hymns, that's the voice of your God calling you to be his. If you can hear the voice of God through his people, then you can know for sure that God has destined you to be his. See, we're looking for certainty outside of us. And the voice of your God comes to you from outside of you. It's not this internal voice. It's somebody. Right now it's me. It's somebody calling you by the gospel. Right? God knew you. Hear me, please. God knew you before you were born. Before you were born, before you were an idea to your mother and your father, he chose you 
to be his very own. In time, right now, before today, for many of you, he called you to be his. By that same gospel, day after day, he justifies you. He makes you, he declares you not guilty. He, he, you leave here today. When we dismiss you later on, we dismiss you forgiven, justified, and in God's sight, even glorified. You, you go with the robe of Christ's righteousness all over you. You might look like sheep to be slaughtered, but you're not. You're those who are destined beforehand to be gods, robed in the glory of Christ. So what shall we say? What shall we say in response to these things? If there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, if God has generously poured out His Spirit into our hearts, if God has given us the adoption to be sons and daughters of the Most High King, if God, your Father, has sent His Spirit in you, the Spirit that cries out, Abba, Father. If God has guaranteed you that your present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that's coming for you. If God bends the devil's most evil plans for His good purposes, for your salvation. If God has called you before today and even calls you again today, what shall we say in response to these things? Right? If God gave his own son for us and didn't hold him back from us all, if God justifies us, if God declares us not guilty, if God gives us all of these things, what shall we say in response to these things? Shall we ever be separate from the love of God? Shall we? Shall trouble or hardship or nakedness or danger or sword? Shall any of those things separate us from, from God? Shall anything ruin his plan for our salvation? If God has destined you to be his from all eternity, if God has called you to be his through the gospel, will God fail to finish what he started? What shall we say in response to these things? We are not sheep to be slaughtered. I know today is all about being sheep. But we are not sheep to be slaughtered, dear people of God. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Paul says, I, but I say we. We are convinced that neither height nor depth nor life nor death nor angels nor demons, not anything will be able to separate us from the love of God because we were destined before all time to be his. He chose us in Christ before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be his from all eternity. If you can hear my voice, and if you believe these things and say amen. 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 Now the God of peace grant you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with you. Amen.